Hi, this is Stephanie, and you're listening to the Raw Podcast: Real Stories with Real Asian Women. Today, I'm going to try something a little bit different. I've had guests on for the last couple of weeks, and there's more on the way. But in between my recording sessions, I found out I still have a lot of things that I actually would like to share. So I'm going to try one today without a guest, and we'll see how it goes. So ever since I quit my job about four weeks ago, almost a month and a few days, I've been really lost. I've had my ups and downs, days where I very much enjoy the freedom of not having to report in, but also the devastatingly crushing thought that I still have to pay my bills. But as I'm going through this journey, I am doing the job hunt. I'm networking. I'm making plans, and meanwhile, trying to find meaning in my life, just like everybody else's. I found that one of the most helpful things when I'm lost is to reach out to people that I trust and respect, people who can guide me. And I would recommend anyone out there doing the same, whether you're in a great place or not. I think it's always good to surround yourself with people who make you think, who make you. Question everything, but also who provides support and guidance. Know you who know you for who you are, and kind of see things that sometimes you don't see because you know you're all up in your head. So something I did recently was go around asking people for books, articles, YouTube channels, whatever things that brought them inspiration. And the book that I was recommended recently that I have found is really resonating so far is *The Power of Now* by Eckhart Tolle. Super famous. Definitely have heard of this author before. I just never picked it up. I tend to like to read fiction, probably because, as previous podcasts have mentioned, I love a good escape. I just love to escape and ignore all my problems and not think about it and put it off as long as possible, as a true procrastinator does. But at the same time, I realize, hey, I'm a freaking adult now, and if I'm going to improve my life, maybe I should read at least one fiction or one nonfiction book for every fiction book I read. So that's the rule I made for myself、uh, as of yesterday at a Barnes and Noble. So the book I started on yesterday is called *The Power of Now*, and what I've decided I'm going to do every day is I'm going to make myself really study a chapter. True to my usual self, I said that you know what I'm going to buy this book, I'm going to read it all in one day and be like, okay, I did it. Check off the list. And I realized that's kind of how I live my life, and exactly the opposite of what this book would want me to do, which is do something just so I can check it off the list.、Um, it's absolutely not mindfulness at all, which is what this book is about. And so I've decided I'm going to read a chapter every day instead.、Um, every morning I'm going to get up. I'm going to read a chapter. Then I'm going to read it a second time, and I'm going to take notes on what stood out to me. And then I'm going to record a podcast about what I learned, mostly so I can remember. And also to share if anyone's interested. And I'm gonna do it Netflix style, where I just drop it all at once because you know the binge, the binge people. Or you know what? Maybe not. Maybe I'll do it once a week. I haven't decided yet. We'll see. So, anyways,、um, I'm gonna review within every podcast. It'll be a short one, 20 minutes or so, of what I learned from each chapter of this book. I'd like to read an excerpt right now of the introduction and why I knew from the moment I picked up this book that this was gonna be a life changer. And so the author writes a little introduction about why he wrote this book. And in the second paragraph, he says, "Until my thirtieth year, I lived in a state of almost continuous anxiety, interspersed with periods of suicidal depression. It feels now as if I am talking about some past lifetime or somebody else's life." And then he goes on to describe that he woke up one night、um, after his twenty-ninth birthday. And he woke up with this feeling he feels a lot, where he's looking at everything in his room, he's hearing all the sounds he normally hears, and he's just wondering, what the hell is the point? Why do we continue to do this? You know, live in misery, and he just couldn't take it anymore. And basically, he talks about, I don't really understand this part. How in the next five months he reaches this 
mental state of peace. And I mean, if you want to call it, it sounds like Nirvana where he's in deep bliss and they kind of go on to explain how this happens and why it happens. Um, don't really get it. To me, the parts that were helpful about this book are the next couple of pages where he talks about how to achieve that state of enlightenment. And yes, it's a very Buddhist philosophy, um, but I think it's in all types of religions and it really does make sense. You know, people talk about it more and more, this whole mindfulness, awareness, waking up with gratitude. In the end, every motiva- every motivational speaker basically talks about the same things. They talk about, really it's your mentality or your mindset, right? Everyone that I've thought was motivational or inspirational in the end, really what made them stand apart from everyone else was their mindset. Because here's the thing, you can go into the world and you can look for shitty things and you're gonna find shitty things. You can look for the bad in people and best believe you're gonna find the bad in people. Uh, You could go out and try to find the good in people and you'll see the good in people. Now, my problem was, and I'm diverging, was that I tried too hard to find the good in people to the point where sometimes I would ignore the bad and it came back to seriously bite me in the ass. And that's why for the last couple of years, I've just kind of gone MIA. So what this book is helping me realize is that it's not about assuming this, assuming that, trying to think this. It's just kind of clearing the clutter in your mind and trying to be more aware of actually what your body is telling you. Something I've actually been talking to my friends and family about recently was, holy shit, is my mind wrong all the time? All this time I spend reading, thinking, talking, analyzing, learning, and listening to my mind, the first chapter of this book talks about how we are seriously over-reliant on our minds. We are seriously inundated with way too much information. And once again, I blame fucking social media. In fact, I just deleted Facebook off my phone for the umpteenth time, and I'm gonna try to keep it off this month. I wake up and I found myself just getting on Facebook and reading stuff. And why am I doing that? Because I don't wanna listen to my mind. I don't wanna listen to what's inside because I think I'm kinda scared what's inside. And so I I drown it out with, you know, all this useless patter, which I think we all do. And so the first chapter of The Power of Now talks about how do you kind of erase all that clutter from your mind? Because really, your mind should be a tool. It's something you should use. Instead, it ends up using us and mastering us. Um, A couple of quotes I remember from Little House on the Prairie. There's this chapter where Laura Ingalls has to write a essay called Ambition. And I forget what the quote is from, but basically it says, ambition is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And I think the mind is the same way. If we use our thinking to help us make decisions, to help us think of strategies, you know, when we actually really need it, your mind can become an awesome tool. But what I realized for myself, and I think a lot of people around me, is our minds are now our masters. We are no longer in charge of what we are thinking. It is a constant stream of negative thoughts, self-doubt, guilt, um, and it's no longer serving us, and that's not a good thing. And so in this book, Eckhart Tolle talks about your mind and compulsive thinking as really a form of enslavement. And so the, the name of the chapter is You Are Not Your Mind. And he talks about how thinking has really become a disease because now instead of a tool, it's your master. And so he introduces this concept of watching the thinker, right? Which is basically instead of just letting your mind direct you like a little alien in your head and like men in black, um, to step back from it and look at yourself in your mind and observe it objectively. Like an example is you're walking down the stairs, um, notice each step as you're walking down. I notice the wood grain. I don't know. It reminds me of yoga. Well, like I'm in yoga class and that is the worst because I'm the worst at yoga. I'm the worst at meditation because my mind is going a million miles per minute. And so my goal with this book 
in this podcast is to figure out how can I be more present and aware and silence my mind. Yeah, good luck. So the goal is to think less. And then there are studies even that artists, engineers, mathematicians, scientists, they actually have found that it is in times of kind of almost that internal solitude and quiet and peace that they came up with their best ideas, really not when their brain is going a mile a minute. So that's what I'm gonna try to do. Not really sure how I'm gonna do that. Maybe reading a chapter of each book a day. We'll see. And I think part of the fun is going on this journey while I'm doing it. And maybe if some of y'all want to join me, that would be cool too. If you want to come onto the show and talk about it, that's cool too. If you want to pick up the book and form a book club, that's cool too. So I guess I do need to publish this podcast right away. So no serial. So the next step of this chapter is addressing the emotion. So we don't want our minds to be the master of us. But at the same time, we also don't want our emotions to be the master of us. Well, duh, right? We are more okay with being like, okay, don't let your emotions master you. But we very rarely think about, okay, don't let your thoughts master you. And something I've always said is every single day you wake up, I strongly believe that you can choose to be whatever you want to be that day. Your character is not dependent on your past. Every day you wake up, you choose what you want to do. And I think how you determine what you want to do really starts with your thoughts. And so maybe some of these concepts have been um, simmering in the back of my mind for some time, and I just haven't been able to properly conceptualize it. But I believe that each person is what they think. And from what you think, that's what your choices are for that day. And the choices you make become the habits that you do day to day. And those habits become your behavior and your behavior becomes your character. And over time, that becomes who you are. So I think every day we wake up, we get a chance to start over. If you change your mindset, if you change what you do, you can't change what you did in the past, you can be a new person. And I think sometimes we forget that. And I personally am very much stuck in the past. A lot of things happen that I'm very bitter about that I know hold me back and I'm trying to let go of them. And it's so hard. And so that's another reason why I picked up this book is how do I let go of the past and not let the future bring me anxiety and not let the past bring me pain? So anyways, back to the whole emotion thing. So in the book, it talks about how emotion is your body's reaction to your mind. And so when you feel an emotion, it actually changes your biochemistry. And for example, if I think, oh my gosh, um, that person walking down the street is going to attack me, I start to react with fear and you know, fear shoots all sorts of an adrenaline and cortisol into my body and I start reacting. Now, are we saying that we don't want to feel anything at all? No, because sometimes feeling fear and awareness when you're walking down a dark alleyway is a good thing for survival. The problem is when we're living day to day with these subconscious fears and anxieties and guilt and pressures, well, we're basically treating our body like we're constantly in a stressful environment and that will fucking kill you. And so when I was thinking about this fear thing, made me think of Star Wars, okay? Uh, Fear is what leads to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. And so if I'm constantly in my mind thinking, shit, what's gonna happen to me in the future? Or fuck, why did this happen to me in the past? Or why did this person do this? I know, I start down down a very anger, anger spiral. I also notice that when I start drinking, I go down an anger spiral, which is what I'm trying to cut back. Let's just be honest right now. Like I realize a lot of times in the past when I drank, I was definitely escaping, one. And two, it tapped into this inner me that was being super shut down. I used to shut down my feelings, be like, I'm okay. I would drink to release and then bam, angry rage monster comes out and I wanna fight everyone in the world. And people who have been around me enough has seen that and it's embarrassing. Like, do I wanna be admitting this on open air? Um, No, but I also say it because maybe other people out there are doing the same thing, you know? 
But today's not about drinking. Let's just go back to the fear and anger thing. Okay, so when you are fearful and you're angry because of stuff that's happened in the past or because of things you can't control, it really fucks up your body. You know, you're getting all these stressful um, chemicals flowing through your body and your brain. And Eckhart Tolle kind of points out that when in doubt, if you're really not sure what you want, listen to your body. It is more accurate than your mind. The crazy thing is we were brought up our whole lives to be trained to use our mind. Now, especially within the Asian culture, I have got to go there. We are almost only taught to use our mind. It's ridiculous and harmful and horrible. And it's something I'm very much against where we're just like, train the mind, train the mind, learn science, learn math, learn your figures. While we completely ignore the softer skills, social awareness, EQ, mental health, um, that's a whole other thing. But I realized that my whole life I've been trained to just use my mind and it's actually enslaved me. And so an interesting quote I remember from the Sherlock Holmes show, the new one with Benedict Cumberbatch. I remember at some point Sherlock says to John, and you would think, you know, Sherlock is the ultimate thinker, but he says intuitions are not to be ignored. And he says that intuitions represent data processed too fast for the conscious mind to comprehend. And I remember that quote more than anything in the show because I thought, damn, if this guy that's supposed to be so smart, notice facts, he trusts more than anything his intuition. Well, shit, what the hell are we doing wrong? And so what I've done lately is just completely try to change my way of prioritizing how I make decisions. It used to be, what do you think? Is it the heart versus the head? Well, actually, I take that all back. I think number one, you use your gut. What does your gut tell you? Is this guy creepy? Yeah, he probably is too. Is this person trying to take advantage of you? Yeah, they probably are. What I tend to do is I'm like, no, no, they're not that nice. No, if I don't trust you, I'm just gonna not trust you from now on, okay, sorry. And use your gut. You are old enough at this point, or most of you are, to know better. You've had enough experiences of who you can and cannot trust, what's a good idea, what's not, what's dangerous. Trust your gut. It's thousands and thousands of years of animal instinct working to tell you squash it with your brain or sometimes your heart. So number one, I trust my gut. Number two, even before my heart and my head, I listen to my body. If my body doesn't feel good, if my body's like, ooh, there's a twinge in my throat right now, damn, I'm just, I'm a little tired. I just listen to my aging body and I do what's best for my body. So my gut and then my body. Then I listen to my heart. I think, what makes me feel right? What makes me feel good? What is the right thing to do in this case? Then very, 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 very last, I'm starting to use my head. Now this is hard because I used to use the opposite. I used to think with my head, then I would follow my heart. I would sure as hell ignore my body and I don't even know where my instincts were, okay? They were not helping me out these past 10 years. But now I have switched it and it's listen to the gut, listen to the body, listen to the heart, and then use your head. And so I'm working on that, we'll see how it goes. But meanwhile, Eckhart Tolle's book really does confirm that the body's gonna be more truthful than the mind. And same as watching the thinker that we talked about earlier, you should be watching your emotions. Otherwise it becomes you. So rather than feeling your emotions, living your emotions and letting your emotions take over, again, like that little alien in your head controlling your body, watch it, observe it, understand why you're feeling what you're feeling and then go from there. So don't let your emotions control you. Well, no shit, right? Easier than said. Well, just don't feel angry, blah, blah, blah. But I watched this with my little nephew where you know, he's a little rage monster right now. He's almost three. And when he's angry, my sister isn't like, why are you being angry? Just stop being angry. She tries to find out the root of the problem, basically as if she were watching his emotions for him as the adult, which hopefully one day he'll grow up to do by him on his own. But I think it's a really cool um, method because she'll say, are you angry? And if he says yes, he, you know, he's acknowledging his emotion. He's being aware. He's kind of pulled away from the emotion right now. And he's just 
figuring out if he's angry or not. And then she says, are you hungry? Are you sleepy? And half the time it's because this kid is hangry and coming from a family of low blood sugar, uh, what's it called? Hypoglycemia, where my dad, my sister, and I, our hands get really shaky when we're hungry. And so it is beyond hangry. And so she realized that, oh, well, this kid has the same thing. That's why he's angry. But she's teaching him to try to be aware of his emotions and understand what the root problem is and then solve it with a cookie or whatever. Uh, knowing her, probably organic apples. <laughs> and instead of just allowing the emotion to take over. So as adults, you know, sometimes that's what it is. We have this little toddler in us that just wants to act out. Maybe you've had a bad day. Maybe you haven't slept well. Maybe that person was just an extra asshole to you today. Maybe sometimes people are just really mean because, you know, their little toddlers and them aren't being fed organic apples or something. So just being aware of why you're being angry and just trying to control that and trying to acknowledge it, not control, shouldn't have said control, trying to acknowledge what it is and watch it before it becomes you is something that I'm gonna work on. And it's interesting because the word emotions um, he describes in the book is Latin for emovere, E-M-O-V-E-R-E. It's emovere and it actually literally means to disturb. So it's not a wonderful thing, it's disturbing. Um, Emotions are a disruption to your day-to-day life. Now. This is the part where he's like, okay, people ask this as the next question. Well, what about the good emotions like love and happiness and peace? We're not saying not to feel things. Like if I were told not to feel things, number one, it would be impossible. Number two, it's like, what's the point of life if you're not feeling joy, right? Well, the emotions we're talking about that you want to kind of not let control you are the negative ones, uh, the ones that bring you pain. And he categorizes joy and love and peace in a very different category. He's talking about the difference between pleasure and joy. So for example, pleasure is something that is derived from the outside. So think of it as cravings. Your mind and your body are seeking pleasure to substitute some kind of missing joy. Whether you eat to feel better, whether you binge watch TV, whether you drink a lot, whether you take some drugs, whether you are go gambling. Now you notice all of these kind of negative things, they would be construed as initially giving pleasure and ultimately leading to pain. Even relationships, and I've been there, relationships that are up and down where you're like one moment you hate each other, one moment you love each other. Well, in this book, they say, okay, that's not really love. Unconditional love, you should never really hate that person. You might get angry at them, but you'll never be capable of hating them. Think of it as like your child. You're so mad at them, they're so frustrated, but you love them unconditionally. So real love, once again, PSA, if you are in a relationship where it's up and down, you hate them and you love them, um, maybe you should get a therapist and talk it out because that's not love. So things that cause you immense pleasure one moment and pain the next, that's not a good emotion. What you really want to seek is joy, which is derived from the inside. So whereas pleasure is something you get from the outside, something you feed a craving for, joy is from the inside. And you really can't get joy without awareness and presence and I don't know, some other stuff in the book that hopefully I'll figure out soon because I would love to have some joy in my life. Okay, not that I don't, I have a lot. It's just, I would like to get rid of some of the negative emotions, which he describes as the following. So if you experience any of the following, you might be experiencing some emotional pain and maybe it's something you should start thinking about instead of repressing. So resentment, hatred, self-pity, guilt, anger, depression, jealousy, and even any slight irritations are considered to be causing pain. And so that last part, even any slight irritations, which we all feel throughout the day, some of us more than others, that's causing you pain in your life. So it goes into this very Buddhist philosophy where it's like, how do you get rid of emotional pain? Because emotional pain leads to physical pain. Physical pain leads to disease because the more stressed you are, we talked about those cortisol hormones hormones earlier, 
where they're flooding through your body, they're really breaking down and killing your body, okay? So how do we not feel these negative things? Well, one, usually you feel them because of something that happened to you in the past. Unless it's literally happening to you right now, all the stuff that you feel, resentment, anger, bitterness, lack of trust, that came from the past. So the question is, how do we let go of that? And then the second step is, how do we stop creating pain in our present so that it doesn't become this thorn in our side when it becomes our past? And so that's the second chapter. I'm not there yet. I will start reading that chapter tomorrow and I'll do the same thing, get on a podcast and talk about it. So for the next 10 days, I'm gonna read a chapter every day and by gosh, is this gonna hold me accountable because if I don't put one up, basically I failed. And hopefully as you go through this journey with me, we can all learn a little bit together and be a little more enlightened. Or at the end of the journey, I will say this book is useless and hopefully you will know not to buy it. So chapter one, you are not your mind. Hopefully everyone goes back and you try to be a little more present. Try not to focus so much on the negative thoughts and emotions that are churning through your head. Think about what happened today and just realize the things that you can't control. The serenity prayer is something I actually find super helpful, even though I'm not religious. And it's just letting go and being nice to that little angry toddler inside of you, acknowledging that it feels things and maybe just being more objective when you observe these emotions so that it doesn't control you. So tomorrow we'll be back with the second chapter about how we can let go of the pain from our past, how we can stop feeling and creating so much pain in our present. And I guess we'll go from there. Hopefully this podcast has been helpful to you even a little bit. And if you feel like there's someone out there right now, you know, in your life that also needs to hear some of these same philosophies, please share this podcast with them or any other one that you might find helpful. And we hope you'll join us again next time. If you like what you heard today, follow us on Instagram at GetRawPodcast. That's G-E-T-R-A-W podcast. Like us on Facebook at Get Raw Podcast and find out all the ways you can subscribe at our new website, getrawpodcast.org. If you have any questions, comments, ideas, or simply want to share your thoughts, it would make me super happy to get an email from you at stephanie at getrawpodcast.org. You can find the links below any podcast description as well. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. The music used in this podcast is by Kevin McLeod. It's licensed under the Creative Commons and it's called Glitter Blast.